I make bold moves, but there's lots of thought that goes into them before they happen, and I have to make sure they're going to be sustainable. This is The Day That Changed Everything, a podcast series produced by Maine Biz, Maine's business news source. Every two weeks, we will post an interview with a business leader whose life was upended in one day and learn how they navigated their way back. If all great change is preceded by chaos, then this podcast series seeks to make sense of the chaos. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by MTI, or Maine Technology Institute, Norway Savings Bank, and Vistage. This is not business as usual. Now more than ever, the Norway Savings Business Lending Team is here to help make sure you're still able to do what you do. But let's face it, this is not an easy time. We will get through it together. It's a great comfort seeing the business community in Maine rallying around one another. It's our job to rally around you. Norway Savings. Live your life in color. Hi, this is Maureen Milliken from Maine Biz, and Today we're talking to Rachel Jackson about her day that changed everything. And Rachel, why don't you tell people who you are, just a little bit about yourself. Sure. Hello. Uh, My name is Rachel Jackson. I live in Wilton, Maine, have lived in Wilton for a long time. I am all kinds of things. The thing that runs through everything that I do is that I am an entrepreneur. I have that entrepreneur spirit. If you're an entrepreneur, you get it. Uh, There's things that you do uh, that lots of people would think you're crazy, but it's just something uh, that's within me. And your day that changed everything happened 13 years ago, and you bought the old Farmington Diner, which is one of those old railroad car diners that was had been vacant for some time. At the time, you weren't a restaurant owner. You had no intention of buying the diner, but you bought the Farmington Diner, and that changed everything. So why don't you talk a little bit first about how that happened? Sure. Uh, because I live in Wilton, Maine, I uh, stay up on things. I read articles and um, see what's going on in my community. And there were articles about the Farmington Diner. Uh, Rite Aid had bought the spot that it sat on, and it needed to be moved. I wasn't planning on having a restaurant, but I watched and I read the articles and it didn't seem like anyone was going to do anything with it. And I just could not see it being put in a dumpster. So I read and read and read and I thought, oh my goodness gracious, I'm gonna end up with that diner because (laughs) no one else is going to have it moved. (laughs) And that's what happened. And how did, specifically, how did you end up, what was the process from seeing it, hoping someone would do something with it, and actually realizing it was going to be you who was going to be that someone? Yes, I did some informal stuff. Um, The Daily Bulldog, it's an online paper in Franklin County, had an article. So I called and said, uh, do you know what's going on? Um, and they uh, gave me the developer for Rite Aid. And so I ended up calling him. And at that point, nothing was happening. And I remember I was in front of, uh, I was getting a sandwich at the um, Bagel, main Mainly Bagel mainly in Augusta? Mainly Bagel in Augusta, yes. And I remember getting off the phone. I have another business. Allison, my right-hand woman, my left-hand woman, uh, was driving. And I remember getting off the phone saying, oh, my goodness gracious, I'm going to end up with that diner. <laughs> uh, Rite Aid, I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, they were very eager to have it moved. They did not want to put it in a dumpster. 
lots of people in Franklin County absolutely love and still love that uh, diner. And I think they really didn't want to end up having it destroyed. And so they worked with me. And I think that that conversation was when I was like, oh my goodness, this is going to happen. And you bought it for... A dollar. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think he ever took the dollar. <laughs> uh, to make it a legal agreement, I guess we had to have some kind of money passing hands. So they wanted it moved. Yes. So... Uh, what a process. Um, at that point... Kingfield Building Movers, uh, Jim Nickerson uh, was in the business. He has since died, but uh, this was something that he did, was move buildings. There's not lots of building movers around anymore, so I was lucky that it was close. And he, like many people in this area, absolutely loved the diner, had lots of uh, fond memories of eating there. Jim, God bless his soul, uh, was very good to me, but he did things the way he wanted to do things. So uh, me having the right Aid developer saying this has to be happening, and then me telling Jim, and then Jim doing what he wanted to, it finally happened, uh, but it was extremely stressful. And where did you move it to? I owned a piece of a property. I do own a piece of property in East Wilton. Um, it's a commercial lot. So I went through the town of Wilton process to make sure that it was uh, okay to plop there. It was in the winter. Uh, we had snow. It was not an easy process, but it did uh, get done. We're sitting in a restaurant, not a diner, and outside, wrapped in a big blue tarp, is an old-time diner that's not the Farmington Diner, the one you bought. Why don't you kind of bring us through what happened over the 13 years that you are now a restaurant owner with a diner wrapped in a blue tarp in your parking lot in Farmington <laughs> that is not the diner you bought for a dollar? Oh my goodness, I can't believe it's been 13 years. It's been a crazy process. So I had the Farmington Diner moved to East Wilton. Uh, like I said, I, it was a commercial lot. It could sit there. Um, I never, ever thought it was going to be 13 years. But things take time. And can I ask, too, because yes. I should have asked this earlier, did you have any restaurant experience when you bought the diner? Yes. You would think I would know better. <laughs> uh, years and years and years ago, I owned a restaurant in Rumford Point, and then I owned one in Nury, Maine. It was a long time ago when I was young, and crazy. I don't know what happened. You think with age, I'd get a little more wise. I, actually, for me, it wasn't the restaurant bug. It was a diner bug. I just feel like it's part of our history. The Farmington Diner uh, had been sitting in that location since 1963, uh, and people absolutely loved it. The stories that people have shared with me. So for me, it wasn't so much a restaurant, but that it was uh, the diner. Right. And that's what uh, has kept me going on this project. And so you were, there you were with a diner in on your property in East Wilton, possibly some neighbors not happy about it being there. Oh yeah. And what was your plan? My plan, I got it moved, it's always been to get it up and running as a, a diner. The location in East Wilton did uh, meet the commercial requirement. I actually hired uh, John Turk, a uh, architect in Portland who started the process with me and we looked at having it in that location. I did run into the uh, NIMBY, the not in my backyard problem. That really wasn't what stopped me. Some of it, here I am, I have another business, family, all kinds of things going on. Uh, so of course life was busy. But location, location, location. It was on Route 2, uh, the Golden Route they call that. Mm. Um, but it was a little out that's where businesses tend to land. The Golden Route, because it's extremely expensive, you pay for the location. 
Um, I would think particularly between Farmington and Wilton, it's the main way to get west and east. It really is the only way to yes. get east and west. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And I live in Wilton every day. I would do that route going to Farmington. Um, my other business is in Farmington. And every day I would watch to see what would go for sale on that road. For, um, were you just looking for a lot or were you looking for a building? Did you know what you were looking for? I was looking for whatever I could do that I could afford it um, <laughs> because it's so expensive. Uh, so I did that for uh, 12 years. Um, and I actually ended up buying something else. It was a brick house on uh, the highway. I think it was on the market probably for three days, and I put an offer. Uh, the advantage of doing it every day is when something comes up, you are ready and you know. And, uh, that and that's just down the street from where we are right uh, now. That is down the street from maybe point two tenths of a mile. Right. So uh, it's a little brick cape. Yes. But um, did it have a lot of acreage with it? Three acres. Okay. And so the plan, I started working Larry Guru from the small, actually he worked for the Small Business Administration through Anders Scroggin Council of Governments. Um, he was a huge help to me. We started working with an engineer to set up a site plan so that we could put the diner there. And then the Harvest House, a newspaper article, uh, came up that they closed. The current owners uh, were looking for someone to buy their restaurant. And, that, and that's a, just one of your standard kind of brick one-story restaurants? Here, we're sitting in it now, yes. not to spoil the surprise for people, but they probably figured it out. Yes, yes. It used to be a Goodwins. I think there were lots of Goodwins. Ice in, cream? Uh, ice cream, yeah. yes, yep. And then uh, it went through a couple other ownerships, and then when I bought it, it had been the Harvest House. And when was that? I started talking with them in 2017. Okay. Uh, Larry, again, being such a good egg, he did end up retiring. I think I probably, after me, he had enough. Uh, I said, Larry, let's go and talk with Patrick and Chong. I didn't think there was any way I was going to be able to swing it. Um, I knew that it would be extremely expensive. But I said, you know what, Larry, that entrepreneurial spirit, we don't close any doors because of money. We uh, look at all options. We give it a shot and see what happens. So uh, we met with them. But not to scare people too much, you do have a financial background, right? You're, I do. You're not just throwing money out. Uh, um, I have an entrepreneurial spirit, but I, I, my other business is nonprofits, and they'll say, this is our mission. And I'll say, if you can't make payroll, it doesn't matter what your mission yeah. is. Same with me. Uh, yes, I, I make bold moves, uh, but there's lots of thought that goes into them before they happen, and I have to make sure they're going to be sustainable. So yes, it doesn't do you any good to buy a place if you can't afford it. So ultimately, you bought a restaurant. Yes. So now you own a restaurant. I do, yes, yes. And that would have been, was that the summer of 2018? I, think? I closed July 21st of 2018. I had vacation planned, so I took vacation. That was two weeks. I got my first mortgage payment, and I said, oh, my goodness gracious, I better get that done. Restaurant opened. And so we opened September 22nd of 2018. Now, did you inherit staff and things from the previous owners? Yeah. Well, they had been closed, but I reached out to folks that did work for them, and I have been so lucky. The previous owners, Patrick and Chong, were a huge help to me, but I also have some of their staff that chose to join me, um, which has been a huge help to me. And we've been at it now for three years. Great. Okay. And we have to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. As the CEO or owner of a small or mid-sized business in Maine, 
You've got the weight of the world on you. But what if you didn't have to go at it alone? What if you could journey with an elite team of peers who've got your back and an experienced guide who knows the lay of the land? With that level of support, how far could you go? For more than 60 years, Vistage, the world's leading executive coaching and peer advisory organization, has been helping leaders reach new heights. Learn more at Vistage.com. That's V-I-S-T-A-G-E.com. It made me sick to my stomach. Here I am trying to save these things, and the whole front side with the windows just was destroyed. Hi, this is Maureen Milliken, and we're back talking to Rachel Jackson about how she bought a diner for $1 13 years ago, and it changed everything. What was going on with the diner? Because by this point, you... Now you had two diners, right? Yes. Now, how did that happen? Uh, I have a diner problem. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, well, when I met with John Turk, we looked at the Farmington Diner, and because it had been used, it was old, late 1940s, early 1950s, authentic Mountain View Diner. There were things that were going to need to be replaced. And so on, uh, the American Diner Museum had a listing of uh, a diner, very similar, Mountain View Diner, maybe a year or two off, pretty much the exact same thing. Uh, it was in Waterbury, Connecticut. So being the entrepreneur that I am, uh, not worrying about all the reasons why I can't do this, I reached out to the American Diner Museum and ended up with the diner that was in Waterbury, Connecticut. You ended up with it. But it, you make it sound easier than it was, right? Oh, my goodness. So uh, how did the Waterbury, Connecticut diner get to Maine? Again, trying to find someone who moves these things. This isn't something that really isn't necessary anymore. And what I've heard is a lot of the old-timers that used to do it have retired or died. So I found Mel in Pennsylvania. American Diner Museum was some help to uh, connect me with him. But this wasn't just uh, five miles down the road like the Farmington Diner. Uh, this one was in Waterbury, Connecticut. It needed to go, so it was in Connecticut we needed permits. It uh, needed permits for Massachusetts. It needed permits for New Hampshire. And it needed permits for Maine. And then when it landed in Maine, it was on a Friday afternoon in the summer. Guess what? No moving any oversized items on the Maine Turnpike in the summer so it had to sit for a couple of days and then finally on a monday on a very rainy dreadful day uh, we had it moved and where did you have it moved to uh, my husband at that time and i owned a piece of property in jay maine and uh, we had it moved there and it sat until i could figure out where it was gonna land the plan had always been to use the farmington diner as the main diner and then take pieces from the uh, Waterbury, Connecticut one to piece where we needed, where we had missing pieces. Unfortunately, these diners with their draining system, it's at the top, it's on the roof. And so with the Farmington Diner, even though I had a new roof put on and I was shoveling it, the way the water fell goes down through the diner. Some ice get in between the windows and the walls and mm. made the Farmington Diner, the side with all the windows, basically crash. It made me sick to my stomach. Here I am trying to save these things, and the whole front side with the windows just was destroyed. I had a change come up to, with Plan B, and that's where the Waterbury, Connecticut one that's wrapped in a blue top in the parking lot of my current restaurant is the one where we're going to use that one and then take pieces from the Farmington Diner. 
And the way it ended up in the parking lot of the restaurant, if I understand correctly, has a little bit to do with the pandemic. Is that right? Yes. Uh, we had a close uh, just about a year uh, ago because of the um, COVID-19. The restaurant business, for years I have known that I was going to do this diner thing, and I have talked with lots of restaurateurs. You need to be committed to time, time, time. When I looked at Patrick and Chong's number, the previous owners of this restaurant, I said, I don't, I'm not going to have to worry about that. I'm going to be able to put my feet up on the desk, smoke cigars, <laughs> hang out, relax. Guess what? It hasn't happened. I should have listened to all these people. So I have been doing long, long hours. Uh, when you're in the day-to-day, you can easily lose focus on the big picture. When we had a close for COVID-19, I tell people I hate this thing because it has made a lot of people sick it has a lot of people have died because of it but it almost I believe it saved my life because I wasn't working so many hours and as a result I got back on my vision and I had this diner moved the end of May Uh, we weren't even opened I had mortgage payments I had electricity bills no money coming in and I paid quite a lot of money to have this thing moved here a customer told me, you, uh, what audacity. And I'm like, oh, I love that. That's such a compliment. Thank you. Uh, but it did take audacity. Uh, and, I'm glad I did it. And where it stands now is you are looking at ways to refurbish it and open it. Yes, yes. Uh, John Turk, uh, the architect I hired 13 years ago, I would call him every once in a while. I, I told him I'm a bad penny. I never go away. He is working with me again. And uh, we actually have reached out to the Maine Historical Preservation Commission, and they have gotten all our information. We're waiting to hear back as to whether uh, this project will meet all of their criteria. And you could get it listed on the National Register yes, of Historic that, Places. Uh, that is the hope. And um, then use historic preservation tax credits. Yes, that would be a huge help. And that way, too, we're going to do it right, rather than just have it be, I have... One opportunity. I have been at this for 13 years. We need to get this right. Um, And they have the expertise. So hopefully uh, we'll be able to partner with this project. And you are looking for ways to integrate it with this. It's almost kind of a classic 1950s mid-century style restaurant. Yes. It's more like a family restaurant, I think, than a diner. Right. Uh, And we've had some challenges around that uh, because my vision has been diner, but it's like this is a family restaurant. In fact... I I think at the beginning I said we'd tell listeners why right now the restaurant is called the Farmington Din, which is D-I-N, and can you just explain that? Yes, absolutely. It started as the Farmington D, dot, 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 dot. Under all of those dots are the letter I-N-E-R. My pet peeve is these places that call themselves a diner, and they're not a diner, and there was no way I was going to do that. So right now, we went from Farmington D to Farmington Din because the parking, uh, because the diner is here. We have two more letters under those uh, dots, E-R, and once that diner gets set up, uh, we will become the Farmington Diner. That's great, and I'll look for that sign to change yes. and know that I can come sit at the counter and have a soda with you. I would love that. And we have to take another break. When we come back, we'll find out if there are any lessons learned from buying a classic dilapidated diner or two and changing your career trajectory over 13 years. But first, we'll hear from our sponsors. 
Mainers have an unrivaled work ethic, an endless supply of ideas, a boundless energy to create, and the perseverance to not say it's done until it's done better than it was before. Which is why the Maine Technology Institute was created to support, nurture, and invest in those qualities and make Maine a place where ideas and people can thrive. To see how MTI supports innovation, go to maintechnology.org. That's maintechnology.org. Stick with it. Don't give up. Keep at it. Preserving our history is important. Hi, this is Maureen Milliken again, and again, I'm talking to Rachel Jackson. And before the break, I probably sounded a little glib about your journey, but I think it's a really compelling story with the bigger picture is that you followed a dream at a time of life you probably could have taken an easier path. And that's something people can either maybe relate to or run screaming from. But you're in a totally different place now than you were 13 years ago. And you're, mm. but you're in your 50s, I, I think am. we can yes. say. 13 years ago, you saw this diner for sale. What lessons do you think people can kind of take away from this? Everybody isn't going to run out and buy a diner, I don't think. But people do have Farmington diners in their lives, maybe. Mm. And so what have you learned? What would you do differently? What are the real positives from it? Um, are there any negatives that maybe you if you had to do it again, you'd do differently? I don't feel it was a choice for me. Once I uh, heard the story, I just couldn't see it being put in a dumpster. So people say, wow, that's amazing. Oh, no, well, and some will say I'm crazy, which is absolutely true. Again, that's all part of the entrepreneurial spirit. Mm -hmm. uh, but I say go for it. It hasn't been an easy process. I think what I've learned, when I had the Farmington Diner first moved, there was a lot of hoopla, a lot of positive people sending me stories, stopping me, wanting uh, to share uh, what they remember about the diner. So I was kind of blown away uh, when there all of a sudden were these negative neds. And I was younger then. I was 13 years younger. And it really took a lot of my energy. I don't know if I second-guessed myself again because I don't feel like it was a choice for me, but it made it more difficult. Now I say bring it on. Mm. Uh, the advantage of getting older is you get wiser. Um, and I do listen when people are negative even with the restaurant. I try to see if there's a trend, so is there something we can fix? Or if it's just one person out of the blue, I'll listen, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're, they're right. So I say to folks, if there's something that's going to bring you joy, you uh, go for it. Uh, even if it's difficult, even if it's hard, uh, stick with it. And some of why I want to bring back the diner is there was this, people absolutely love the place. They have stories to share. I've got a couple here that I, yeah, I, I love to share. Yeah, you got a lot of correspondence, right? Oh, I remember my when goodness. I did an article on this, uh, I think it was June of last year. It seems so long ago. You had a pile of letters from people and can you share some of what they said? Yes, here? absolutely. I've got um, a couple here. This one, hi, Rachel. I grew up in Farmington, and Stewart's Diner was there in the 50s. A lot of us teenagers would go to dance at Stanwood Park on Saturday night. Then we would go to the diner for hamburgers afterwards. I have never had one that tastes as good since then. Mm. The secret was the celery salt that he put on the onions oh, as they were being grilled. <laughs> yes, I, we don't have that technique yet. Maybe we're going to have to change that. And then another story, uh, my memories of the diner go way back to 1962. After being told by my mother that if I didn't want to wear used clothing from the old South Church rummage sale, that I'd better get a job. 
So I wrote to Augusta and get a work permit and began to work for Stuart Steiner, then known as, at the ripe old age of 14. I can remember as the evenings progressed and business slowed down, I would do my homework in a different corner booth. I was then finally able to buy my clothes new from the Sears catalog. These are stories. Now I said to my wait staff, we should get t-shirts. I don't know what's happening because she doesn't fill us in, but people <laughs> are constantly asking about the diner, where we at, what's going on. Lots of excitement about it. That, that's good. And if you could talk to your 13 years younger self, though, the one who first saw that the Farmington Diner needed to be moved, what would you tell her? You're out of your mind. <laughs> but I knew that before, so it's all good. Stick with it. Don't give up. Keep at it. Preserving our history is important. Yes. And you can do this. What I loved about the Farmington Diner from stories that people have shared with me, people would come together even though they were from different backgrounds. They were lawyers. They were people that worked in the woods. They were people that didn't work. They would all come and sit together, and they got along. That's absolutely what I want to create again. It's community. It didn't, there wasn't all this uh, divisiveness mm. about who you voted for and I, you know, the fights and all of that craziness. Uh, so my hope is we need more of this yeah. in this world. Now, do you feel having that diner covered with the tarp out there, has that created any of that feeling that you're hoping will even grow once you have it open? Yes, I giggle because that top reminds me of a yacht, you know, when they wrap the yachts. Yeah. Uh, it's like a boat. Uh, it has cost a lot of money, but it's all going to be worth it. And uh, the plan is in the spring to get the ball rolling so we can cut that top off when all this snow is gone and uh, make it so that it will be a place where people can gather and be with family and friends. The Day That Changed Everything is a production of Maine Biz. Find out more about this podcast and other Maine Biz media products at mainebiz.biz. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by MTI, or Maine Technology Institute, Norway Savings Bank, and Vistage. The Maine Biz podcast team includes Donna Broussard, Allison Nason, Renee Cordes, Maureen Milliken, Will Hall, and Andrea Tetzlaff. Audio editor and producer is Chris Sedenka. Logo and marketing designer is Matt Selva. Subscribe at mainbiz.biz or via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Copyright 2021.